0: We're going to go to James chapter 1. This is our text for tonight. James was a bondservant of God and of the Lord Jesus Christ to the 12 tribes who are dispersed abroad. Greetings. So this gets right to the point. The first introduction is the writer. Can anybody tell me who the writer might probably be? People are always wondering who wrote the book of Hebrews, but we have no wondering here. It's James. Now, who is James for... A quick summary, I'll just give you a little bit of background. According to Matthew 13, James was the oldest half-brother of Jesus. He's the Lord's brother. In 1 Corinthians 15, 7, he was one of those who witnessed Jesus' appearance uh, following his resurrection. In Acts chapter 1, verse 14, he was among those who assembled together following the ascension. And then also, he awaited the outpouring of the Holy Spirit with the 120 in the upper room. And then later he became the leader of the believers in Jerusalem. And in Acts chapter 15, verse 13 through 19, there's this amazing little niche of resolve where Paul and these guys had, there was conflict with the Pharisees and the Sadducees. They felt like the new believers needed to be circumcised and be in the law. It was called Judaizers, where there was they were holding on to the rigidity of the Old Testament. And Paul and Barnabas had to go submit to James. They all talked about it. The church sent him there. It was one of those first uh, expressions of necessity to assess the soundness of the doctrine and and bring some order to things. And it's interesting that these guys, Paul and all these guys who in and of themselves had an amazing responsibility, amazing level of uh, delegated authority, submitted to James. And they all talked amongst themselves, laid things out scripturally, prayed, and then James finalized. And it really underscores the responsibilities of spiritual authority. So James is an interesting, godly, amazing brother. And uh, he was a Jewish believer, and therefore his focal point of life was God and his holy and reliable word. So he grew up from childhood with the central truth, uh, that the word of God who is faithful and true. I'm certain he meditated on Psalm 34, verse 19. Many are the afflictions of the righteous, but the Lord, everybody say but the Lord, but delivers him out of them all. So that promise heightened James' awareness of two things, and this is what I want to bring to you. Number one, the inevitability of problems, and I don't want to spend a whole lot of time on that. Anybody honest in here has been through and encountered troubles, disappointments, challenges, have been overwhelmed. You know, I get that. Let's, it's reality. And, and many are the afflictions of the righteous. Number two, the second heightened point that James got a hold of was the certainty that God will work things out. Come on. Amen. He'll work it out. God is our refuge and strength, Psalm 46.1. A very present help in trouble. Who has found that to be the case a time or two? It's awesome. God is a very present help in trouble. And we can trust him. This is why we've run to him. We didn't run to him because we had some sort of predisposition to be religious. We ran to him because God drew us. God brought a conviction to us. I was so lost. I was so lost, and I, in my lostness, I now recognize just how God was, con- the Holy Spirit was convicting me of sin, but not just of sin. God is not the condemner. Condemnation comes in and puts an adverse sentence over us and makes us feel guilt and gets us stuck. You're bad and you're a poor performer and you're awful and so forth. And it gets you stuck. It doesn't prompt you toward advancement. Conviction, however, it's similar. God will come in and go, man, he'll jerk the slack out of us. He'll show us, hey, this is not pleasing to me. This is, this is off. Thank God it's his kindness that leads us to repentance. Conviction leads us to change. There's a, so there's a big difference between conviction and condemnation. And, when, and this is interesting, too. They, they'll, the devil will try to piggyback off of conviction and then bring us into condemnation. And uh, so we have to learn from that. With all that said, I come back to this text. Consider it, says in verse 2, Consider it all joy. Count it all joy, my brethren, when you encounter various trials. And in my margin, it talks about temptations or tests. Count it all joy when you encounter various temptations, tests, or trials. And why? Knowing that the testing of your faith produces endurance. And let endurance have its perfect work, perfect result, so that you may be perfect and complete, lacking in nothing. Now, where does all this temptation come from? The tempter. And then we know that no one, when he's tempted, is being tempted by God. In fact, it says in verse 13, let no one say when he is tempted, hey, I'm being tempted by God. For God cannot be tempted by evil, and he himself does not tempt anyone. Wow. Wow. So here we see when we encounter various temptations, tests, and trials, we are mandated as Christians, James brings us to, to the point, hey, don't get somber, don't get melancholy, don't blame God, don't back off, don't hesitate, don't go dreary, don't get all melancholy, but actually count it all joy. Consider it an opportunity because you know that in everything we're to give thanks because uh, we're called to be people that praise God and not just be uh, and articulate the problems of life. And hey, guys, listen. The world is so messed up. And the world is even beginning to know it. There, there's an, a level of honesty that's starting to break out among of the lost generation. And it precipitates revival. It, it precipitates harvest. People are going to get so desperate, they're going to go, maybe I'll try Jesus. Yeah. I've seen it before. Yeah. I was a, a participant in a, a where God brought... A lot of disenfranchised, lost people uh, into the kingdom of God. Young and old, and uh, everybody in between. We're in another moment. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. David said, when I consider the moon and the stars and what you've created, what is man that you're so mindful of him, and the son of man that you take thought of him? Let me just tell you, God really deeply loves you. God really deeply loves you. Surrender to this notion. That's why we can count it all joy when we encounter various temptations, tests, and trials, knowing, and this is what we're here for, to to just continue to reiterate the knowledge of him. Grace and peace is multiplied to us in the knowledge of God. It's knowing him. I've been around people who have prayed amazing prayers and got fascinating, phenomenal results. In fact, I've been pondering this how a family prayed for their, one of their offspring, and God provided a radical miracle. With man, it looked impossible, but God turned it around. Look around you. You're seated amongst the ranks of the redeemed. Let the redeemed of the Lord say so. In fact, you're in the ranks of the overcomers. We overcome. Whatever is born of God overcomes the world, it says in 1 John chapter 5. One of my favorite victory verses. And this is the victory that has overcome the world, our faith. It's great to have faith. Patsy and I encountered a beautiful couple, spirit-filled couple, in the 1970s, T.L. and Daisy Osborne. They were pioneers in global evangelism. They had such giant faith. And they, they were challenged. They went to places like India, and they didn't get good results, but they did not quit. They were undaunted. That's what I'm so intrigued by. There are photos of them when they went before the revolution in Cuba, where they were preaching in bullfighting rings with a full, big giant crowds. He, he, they had the knack spiritually to go into a door before it was closed. And, uh, before they, they knew what was happening. Geopolitically, uh, T L told me that he went to Uganda and a helicopter came in. They were doing preliminary planning to reach out to that beautiful nation. Helicopter came in a bunch of military looking people marched up to him and, uh, this guy walked up to him and looked official and started, you know, being real domineering with him. And the way T.L. described this to me, it was fascinating. As a young, developing minister, I was grateful that this person came along and imprinted what he did into my life. This guy had a, had a rarefied concept about the things of God and the calling of God, the spirit-filled life and the necessity to share the gospel with people with signs following. So he was describing this to me. It was Idi Amin, the terrible genocide guy that, and he walked up and tried to manipulate T.L. I want to sit on your platform as you're doing these meetings in this country, and T.L. said no. So T.L. said no to Idi Amin before a lot of this stuff was disclosed. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Guy was fierce. And Patsy and I were uh, assigned to tend to them and for hospitality and drive them to and fro from the hotel. And we got the privilege of being with him on a number of occasions. He and Daisy were sitting in the car and uh, I, you know, I said, Hey, may I ask you a question? And he said, sure. And I said, have you ever been depressed? He said, depressed? Never. You know, I looked in the rearview mirror and uh, you know, as a young person, I was, you know, and I still am really interested in authenticity and honesty. And I listened to him and he, he said, no, I've never been depressed, and and, uh, you know, and I, I wasn't prov- prompting him into any direction, but finally Daisy said, well, if you mean, you know, and she started to describe one battle after the other after the other that they had endured through the course of their lives, life in ministry, and in fact, while I was looking at him in the rearview mirror, they had just gotten a book by a, a, a guy who was attacking them by name in the book, And I watched them in the rearview mirror as they were reading it. And she would just say, poor devil, poor devil. It was handy for me to see that because it just showed the substance of where they were at at this point in their lives. And, you know, she said, well, if if you mean depression by this, she said, I was pregnant five times and I only have one child. And then they they named off a number of things, some miscarriages and then the loss of a son through uh, Vietnam and substance abuse. And they weren't belittling to me. They just, in fact, at one point he said, I'm not going to play up all my trials. I'm going to count it all joy when I encounter trials. I'm not going to use it as a badge of whining and to solicit pity. And I really learned a lesson there because he wasn't in denial about the problems. He was just plowing through doing what Paul said, rejoice in the Lord always. And again, I say rejoice. And, you know, in a room like this, there are all kinds of different types of personalities. They even have a personality type, a melancholy, and uh, which I think is really weird because somebody said, "Melancholy is when your head is like a melon and your face is like a collie." <laughs> you know, just that you don't want to embrace that, you know. But regardless of our personality type, you know, there's some things that God calls us to that transcend all of that, and that, that this is this invitation to count it all joy, my brethren, when you encounter various trials, because you know, we know. That God is going to work stuff out. We know that the testing of our faith produces endurance. I was interested in because I was in California uh, when I was a child. A lot of uh, our history was in the gold about the gold rush. Eureka, you know that word and all that stuff. And so they did a lot of teaching about the gold rush days of the 1800s. And uh, and then I, you know, I heard about these prospectors who would they'd go out and they would get territory and they would. They would dig through dirt, and they would dig for the mother load. And then they would, they would refine the dirt. They would render down the, the ore. Then they would throw a fluxing agent into the fire, and it would refine and purify, and they would get pure 24-karat gold. And uh, that was why there was such a rush and why so many people live out there. And uh, I think the trying of our faith with fire, with testing, with challenges produces something that is precious before God, and that's something called endurance. The Bible says those who endure to the end shall be saved. How do you have durability? How do we stay the course? How do we have longevity? Well, first of all, I am grateful that in my early Christian life, I encountered people who had been there, done that on such a level, and were emerging in later years of life. And in addition to the Bible stories of people like Caleb and Joshua who thrived in all the increments of their lives, including old age, I had modeled for me, thankfully, some key people for which I am so grateful. I am so grateful. I wouldn't be here if it hadn't been for their testimony when I was a young person because they modeled something for me. They weren't in denial about the troubles of life, nor is James, nor was the writer of the psalm. Many are the afflictions of the righteous, but the Lord. Everybody say, but the Lord. And this, after all, is who we're pursuing today. Jesus, the name above all names, a powerful name. What a wonderful name it is. Hallelujah. While I I was praying here earlier and I was praying over the chairs, I was praying for you. And and, uh, I believe God's stabilizing you, shielding you, protecting you, covering you. It's awesome. I just feel, I want you to know I've been praying for you. And it's, it's awesome just to be able to walk through here and lift each other up and pray for one another. I just think it's something, it's no small thing. We, we should rejoice. We, we should rejoice that we just even get to be here. We're still breathing. Reach up and feel your carotid artery. See if it's pumping. If it's still pumping, you're alive. And there's more for you to do. Hallelujah. In everything, give thanks. Thank you, Lord. Everybody say, thank you, Lord. Thank you. Thank you, For this is the will of God in Christ Jesus concerning you. We are to be thank you people. We are to be thank you people that go through life thankful. In everything we give thanks. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, I get to be alive. Listen, if you had dysfunctional parents or abandonment, you never met your biological father, uh, you had trauma, at least thank God you were born. If that's all you can do, just, well, thank God I'm here. You may not have a whole lot to be thankful for, but thank God for that. Thank God in everything. Give thanks. Paul said, rejoice in the Lord always. And again, I say rejoice. And he wrote that from a terrible prison in Rome. Yeah. Listen, what I appreciate about my mentors and what I appreciate about the Lord's brother James is he's saying, Hey you guys, right out of the, this is an amazing book. Chapter three talks about bridling your tongue and Chapter 5 talks about the effective prayer of a righteous man avails much and so forth. But, man, it starts out right out of the chute. Count it all joy. All the introduction, count it all joy when you encounter various temptations, tests, and trials. Take a deep breath and say, thank you, Jesus. That's not sadomasochism. God is not sadistic, nor are we being prompted toward, boy, I just bring it on. I'm a glutton for punishment. None of us are. None of us like pain. And yet we know that God causes things to work together for good. But I want to just read through this. Let endurance have its perfect result so that you may be perfect and complete, lacking in nothing. That sound good to you? It says, but if any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask of God. Wisdom for direction. Wisdom about your kids. Wisdom for your finances. Wisdom about the country we live in right now. Wisdom about our city. I'm glad I'm married to a lady who just felt led to pray for St. Louis. As she was getting ready to do that, I was feeling a responsibility to intercede and cover our city. So she already picked it up. We didn't talk about it. Hallelujah. We're having church. God is looking for us to pray for all men, but especially for those in authority over us. So And in, in, in cover these things with prayers, entreaties, intercessions, giving of thanks. We're to be a prayerful people. Come on. And pray in faith and pray with confidence and count it all joy. Highest form of prayer is praise. We're entering into his gates with thanksgiving. We're not making a bunch of petitions. We're just saying, God, you are God and you always will be God. God, 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 hallelujah, God. This great, big, beautiful God movement is happening and we get to be part of it. None of us are cut out for religious routine or ritual. There's no other religion that where you're filled with God. The word enthusiasm means entheos. It means God in you. The whole mystery of the ages is Christ in you, the hope of glory. And all these things we overwhelmingly conquer. In fact, one of my other favorite victory verses is, greater is he that is in me than he that is in the world. What's in the world? Devils, darkness, oppression lostness, overwhelming weirdness that produces insecurity and pain, yet we lift our eyes to Jesus, we look unto Jesus, we reach out and receive. Hallelujah. A couple of kids in the church, one wants to move to one place, one wants to move to the other. I pray wisdom on them. Young people, in the beginnings of their life, in this early stage of their life, ask for wisdom, for guidance, and we rejoice in it. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. You might be in a season in your life where you're in a career change or a job change. You could pray for wisdom. You get alarming symptoms in your body. You could step up and go, God, by Jesus' stripes, I am healed. Usually, we don't feel like we're the ones that wrap our heads around the whole message of healing. We think everybody else does. But, man, I feel basically beat up. However, God takes our beat upness. He is not repelled by our weakness. He's attracted to our weakness. Let the weak say, I am strong. And therefore, we're all candidates for breakthrough because greater is he that is in us than he that is in the world. There are eight verses in Revelation that address the believers as overcomers. Those who endure to the end shall be saved. Say this with me. I believe I receive. (laughs) Testing of your faith produces endurance. It, It produces endurance. One of the key characteristics that is to identify us as a movement church is called ecclesia which means the called out ones come out from among them and be separate we're separated unto God that doesn't mean we're isolated that doesn't mean we're bizarre fringe counterculture or alternate way of life it just means we've been set apart by God and then he sends us right back out as the light of the world and the salt of the earth that's why I want us to stay fresh not load ourselves down with religious terminology Learn how to engage with the lost and stay buoyant. By the way, that was the thing about TL and Daisy Osborne. As I interacted with them and took them to the airport, I remember TL, the way he carried himself, the way he treated people. James is not some sort of illustrious elitist. He's a guy saying, hey, guys, yeah, I'm the Lord's brother. I was at the ascension. I heard, you know, I was at the the, the crucifixion. I was in the upper room. But you know what? Count it all joy when you encounter various trials. He puts us in touch with this thing of, Life is it's not ideal. Because of the fall of man, there is massive warpage. And that's why it's so wonderful that we have this haven of the word of God, that we could go to it and we're safe. And for those of us who've lived any amount of life, there are times when it's just absolutely overwhelming. And even though you may have you know, committed to memory you know, 1,500 or 2,000 scriptures, you've walked with God for some significant period of time, we all know the challenges and the trials how overwhelming life can be. Yet, in all these things, the Bible says we overwhelmingly conquer through him who loved us. Say this with me. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. So let's go to Romans chapter 5 and we'll finish with Romans chapter 5. Romans chapter 5 is written by the Apostle Paul. And I don't need to lay out a whole bunch of introduction for him. He was a bond servant of Jesus. And I really, really appreciate Paul as well. People think Paul and James had conflict because James talked about faith with works. Paul talked about how you're saved by faith alone. And, and people think there's a clash between Paul and James. And there's no clash, it all balances out. Faith without corresponding action is dead. There needs to be action, but uh, you don't get the cart ahead of the horse. Anyway, Romans chapter 5, therefore. Having been justified by faith. Justification is like you justify your checkbook. You account for what has been spent, what has been deposited, and you reconcile all that. Jesus was sent that God and sinners would be reconciled. A holy God, fallen, sinful humanity. Jesus comes in on the scene, and we are justified. And I heard somebody say, just as if I would never sinned, where your sins are forgiven. Like uh, one of uh, Lyrics, favorite little toys is one of those uh, magna doodles. She, she got a hold of that today and she just was walking around. She just lunged at it and she loves it. We'll draw stuff on it. I drew a cat. She said, Cat. And then she takes a little eraser bar and erases it where there's no more cat. It's awesome. The eraser power of the healing love of Jesus is like nothing ever in this world. Thank God, though our sins are scarlet, He makes them white as snow. We have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Prince of Peace has come to give us peace with God. Peace with God is what, what, a, what a gift. It's in short supply. You can't find it anywhere but in Jesus. It's, it's a super abundant from him, but the world is, is depleted. It needs Jesus through whom also we have obtained our introduction by faith into this grace in which we stand. And we exult in hope of the glory of God. So I can't spend a lot of time there, but basically it's celebrating our salvation. But then it says in verse 3, it turns a little bit, it says, not only this, it says, not only this, but we also exult in our tribulations. As if, if, as if it wasn't good enough that we're saved, we also have abiding continual victory where we are, we can even rejoice in our troubles. When, uh, the Moffat translation says, we triumph even in our troubles. <laughs> That's, that's a mentality. And that's what I think T.L. and Daisy were saying to me when I asked if they'd ever been depressed. They were basically not in denial. They just weren't staying in a stuck place. And I thought it was interesting that this book had come out that was attacking them, and they were having to deal with it. Two of, in my view, the most innovative, cutting-edge, creative pioneer types of their generation. Radical. Amazing. Not only this, we also exult in our tribulation. What does that mean? It's another way of saying count it all joy when you encounter trials. Knowing. Because here's that word knowing again. Hey, we're revisiting the word knowing. It pops its beautiful head up. You know what? In knowledge, there's power. Knowing that tribulation brings about what? Perseverance. How many of you realize you're developing in perseverance? You are. And in perseverance, proven character. God is refining the gold. And I heard about Carnegie that he had multiple staff members that he paid like over a million dollars a year. And it was unheard of in that Industrial Revolution period. People thought, why why are you doing that? You know, he said, because they brought so much to the company. And he said, you know, like a gold miner, I, I don't look for the dirt, I look for the gold. There's gold in them in our hills. God apparently must see humanity as he scans his eyes across all of us and he sees value. He sees us through the blood of his son, Jesus. He has conferred a statement of value on us by sending his son to die for us on a rescue mission. And we count it all joy that we stand in the exult and the hope of the glory of God. Not only this, everybody say not only this, we also exult in tribulation. Here's what the J.B. Phillips translation says. Since we have been justified by faith, let us grasp the fact that we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. I think we need to grasp the fact that there is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Reach out your hand and just say, I'll take that. Take hold of that. Take hold of that. It's not some elusive brass ring. We're taking hold and laying hold of eternal life. We're laying hold of that for which we've been laid hold of in Christ. You know, and when none of us go through life without some scars. And uh, Bayless Conley said to me, I don't trust anybody who doesn't walk without a limp. And I grew up with a man who had a limp his whole life. Never milked it, never played it up. And the farther I go in life, the more I realize, wow, I rub shoulders with champions. But you know, I realize that tonight I'm rubbing shoulders with champions right now because the Bible certifies you as more than a conqueror, as an overcomer. And it, it took something for you to be here and have be in this moment. Say that with me. I am more than a conqueror. Hooper it says in the Greek, hyper conquerors. A lot of talk about hyperactive. But you're a hyper-conqueror. In all these things, you overwhelmingly well, what are you doing? I'm conquering. What are you conquering? 50 million things. I like what Joyce Meyer said. In order to be more than a conqueror, you have to have something to conquer. <laughs> so that's when we go, oh, I want it, Lord. I want to be patient. I was in line with somebody. And I was in line, and somebody was just standing there, and the people, the clerk was not knowing what to do, and the people up ahead of us were ordering, like, two weeks' worth of food, you know, we just wanted a cup of decaf or something. So we were looking at each other, and, we were, and, and, and instead of huffing and puffing and stomping, you know, uh, we were both trying to be mature, and we caught each other trying to be mature at the same time, and I said, it develops patience. He goes, yeah, but who, who wants that? I, we, we joked about it. We were impatiently developing patience and complaining without really complaining. We were whining in a very sophisticated and polished way. Just helps you to wait. Count it all joy when you encounter various trials. Why? Because it produces patience and proven character and hope. And let's read verse 5. And hope does not disappoint. Whoever calls upon the name of the Lord will not be disappointed. You say, Oh, Pastor Jeff, I have been so disappointed. I have been so hurt, so frustrated, so challenged, so overwhelmed. I understand. And the Bible understands. God understands. However, it is not our bias or disposition to murmur, but to rejoice. We rejoice in the Lord even in the midst of our trials because we have inside information. We're going to come out like gold. We're going to come out with breakthrough. I pray the blessing of God in your situation. I know people who have overcome cancer in here right now. People have been through some terrible marriage situations. But I'll tell you what, when you get hungry for God, you just go for it. And God is so faithful to come in on this situation and rush in on a moment like this and bring reinforcement and bring nurture and bring clarity. Say this with me. My God shall supply all of my needs according to his riches and glory by Christ Jesus. I'll close with our first reference from James all joy when you encounter various trials. If anyone lacks wisdom, verse five, let him ask of God, who gives to all men generously and does not upbraid or does not rebuke, it does not hold back. And then it says, let him ask in faith, nothing wavering. For he that wavers is like the waves of the sea driven by the wind and tossed. And let not that man expect that he will receive anything from the Lord. Being a double-minded man, unstable in all his ways. This is why we're here right now to get our minds renewed, offset the imbalances of double-mindedness, being two-souled, being informed by flesh, and by circumstances, and by the trials, and being dominated by that. We come into God's house. We go into God's word, and we get a hold of this, and we go, okay, one more day. Having done all to stand, I stand. I hold up my shield of faith. God is going to work and reconcile all things, All the darkness, all the oppression, he turns it around for good. Even darkness becomes light in the Lord. He turns all, he causes all things to work together for the good for those who love God and are called according to his purpose. Survey, how many of you love the Lord? He loved you first. Cast your cares on the Lord about your kids. God will send laborers to cross their path. No matter how hard they seem to be, no matter how reluctant, no matter how skilled they are at offsetting you with arguments, you just keep trusting God. God's going to turn it around.